It's funny, I shared this on Wednesday night not too long ago. My wife and I were coming to church and we got to the red light and we saw this sign on the side of the road. It said Palm Beach Psychics, 98.8% accurate. 98.8% accurate to go and give someone money for them to give you a bunch of whatever. But aren't you glad that you're not at the beach this morning and that you're here and we're a part to receive what God has to say that's 100% accurate, right? Not 98.8% accurate, but 100% accurate. And I believe that he has a word for us today. The title of today's message is Foundations of Humility. Foundations of Humility. And humility is a subject that great leaders great thinkers, and world changers take serious. And we're going to look at a parable in Luke chapter 18. So if you have your devices or your Bibles, just just turn there, get ready. We're going to look at a story out of Luke chapter 18. If you don't have your Bible or device, we are going to put the scriptures up on the screen. But I I just want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis from the book Mere Christianity. He said, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. You cannot see something that is above you. You know, the definition of humility is simply defined as having freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. And if humility was important enough for Jesus to talk about and to speak about and to teach about, I believe that humility is important enough for us to talk about today. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus shared a parable with those that were caught up with pride. And it says this in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I tenth all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, He couldn't even look up at heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says in 14, verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than this man, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can we pray? Lord, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we honor you. We thank you for this precious moment, Lord, with your precious word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will continue to have your way. We pray that what needs to be seen will be seen. What needs to be heard will be heard. What needs to be spoken will be spoken. I ask you, God, to bring to my supernatural recall the things that I have studied and the things that you desire to share with your word for your people, that you would have your way and speak those things. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe after reading this portion of scripture, I walk away with looking at it and I see that pride brings shame, but humility brings wisdom and favor. 
And the truth is, we can't look at humility, understand humility, without talking about and having an awareness of pride. And how pride is this root in our life that comes from fleshly things. Pride comes from things like selfishness, greed, and arrogance. And we see in Proverbs where Solomon, he describes the consequences of pride in someone's life. We see in Proverbs 29, 23, where Solomon said, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble in spirit will retain honor. He writes again in Proverbs eleven two. He said this, he said, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with humble, in, but with humble is wisdom. You know, and we need to treat pride as a condition that can only be remedied by embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to see it that way because Jesus says this in Luke, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest, and take up his cross daily. See, I believe what he's saying there, he says, He must deny himself and set aside pride. He must deny himself, set aside pride. And how is he going to do that? He's going to do that by taking up his cross daily. Because the truth is, it's in our nature to be proud. But it's God's nature in us that brings humility. It's very natural for us to be proud. And committing to a lifestyle of daily dying to ourselves and living through him is essential. It's an essential foundation for true humility in your life. And today I want us to look at foundations of humility in our life. The first foundation I want to talk about is having a teachable spirit. Having a teachable spirit. Because humble people are teachable. They're aware that they don't have all the answers. Humble people understand that they're not the most intelligent person in the room always. Humble people can accept the fact that there are other people that can be more gifted than they are and be okay with that. They're not independent and they're not codependent. I believe that humble people are interdependent. They value the opinion of others. They're team players. They open up their hearts and... and, and, they're, they're open to other people's suggestions and other people's way of doing things. Humble people actively submit to authority. To authority. And guess what? Not just the good authority, but also what? The harsh authority. Parents, can I get an amen? amen. And it's not harsh because of punishment. No, there, there are times where we just need to firm up. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I think about what it says in 1 Peter 2, where servants must be submissive to their masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. That does include our bosses. Not just here on a Sunday morning, not just on a weeknight when we're at small group. No, no, no. Those are, those are spiritual authorities, right? This, this, this scripture right here, when it talks about servants and masters, I believe it's talking about kind of that employee-employer relationship. You go on to see where it says how wives should submit to their husbands. 
Husbands love that scripture, but then they forget what comes next. Husbands submit to Christ. In fact, it says that all citizens should submit to God. So I believe that Jesus is very intentional when he's talking about this to those that are caught up in pride. So my question to you today is, how intentional are you to submitting to the people that God has placed in your life? Because I'm going to tell you, it takes intentionality. You have to choose to be submissive before you submit. John Bevere says that true submission doesn't begin until you disagree with your leader. And the culture that we live in today, they frown upon submission. Huh? Right? Independent ladies, where you at? That's my BC days. I really, beyond that, I got nothing. But they don't promote submission. What do they push? They, pu- they push individualism. Right? But I'm going to tell you something. That when you submit to those that God has put in your life, what you're doing is you are putting on humility and you're giving no place to pride. Humble people receive correction and feedback from others graciously. Graciously. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever listens, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is brutish. <laughs> In other words, it's saying someone that hates correction is foolish, or that person is a fool. There's a story about a local pastor. He was known for graciously receiving any negative feedback or correction. And what would he do? When people would come to him, he would simply say, thank you for caring about me enough, for sharing your opinion. I'm going to pray about it, and I'll get back to you. That pastor had a teachable spirit with a gracious heart. He was open to having blind spots in his life. You know, when I think about blind spots, I think about what it says in the Bible. He who finds a wife, what is good, and receives honor from the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I'm going to tell you something. My wife loves to tell me my blind spots. And I love that she does tell me my blind spots when I have humility on. Because how many of you know, when you got pride on, it doesn't sound like your spouse is showing you a blind spot. What does it sound like? Really? I mean, you're telling me what to do again? Honey, I'm just trying to tell you something you don't see. Oh, now you're telling me what to look at. It could be your spouse, it could be a boss, it could be a friend. The truth is, God places people in your life, just like he placed my wife in my life to show me blind spots. Huh? He's placed Pastor Brian and Pastor Cynthia in our lives to show us our blind spots. He's placed mentors and other spiritual fathers and mothers in your life to show you blind spots, not for people to lord over you, but to show you things that you can't see on your own. I mean, I don't even need to get super spiritual on this. I can't see what's behind me right now. Huh? I can't see what's back there or over here. That's why we have mirrors in our cars. Huh? And God puts people in our lives. But it requires for us to have a teachable spirit. 
to have a teachable spirit. God's helped me and he continues to help me with this simple practice. If I'm going through a situation and I'm not fond of the outcome, I'm not comfortable with the circumstances, flat out, I just don't like what's going on, my first prayer to God is, God, what are you trying to show me in this situation? What are you trying to speak to my life? For me, that's a safeguard. For me, what that does is it makes sure that my heart doesn't become prideful to God. Because when we try to do things in our own way, we get prideful to God, and we're saying our way is better than God's way. The way we would want something to happen, the job that we want to have, that we would have the home that we want to live in. That's what we have to submit to God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. It takes a secure person to take correction and to stand on a foundation of having a teachable spirit. The second foundation I want to look at today is security in God. First, having a teachable spirit. The second thing is having security in God. Because humble people are secure in who they are. Humble people do not belittle themselves. They do not act insignificant or inadequate because they know that they are valuable with their flaws and all. They don't need to prove themselves. They don't need to promote themselves. They don't need to be at a place where people need to see what they're doing. Granted, validation is important. I believe that God has placed a part of us where we should be validated. But our validation comes in him, first and foremost. It's important. They know that there's nothing that they can do that will make God love them any less. But humble people also know that there's nothing that they can do more that's going to make God love them anymore. And I love what Galatians 2.20 says, one of my favorite life scriptures. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. This life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in him who loved me and gave himself for me. They know who they are in Christ. And humble people are quick to forgive others. Go ahead and poke your neighbor and tell them, listen up, this is for you. Humble people are quick to forgive others. Not too hard. I'm watching you back there. Ecclesiastes 4 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is possibly one of the greatest acts of humility that we can do. It's one of the greatest acts, giving someone forgiveness. To forgive is to acknowledge the wrong that has been done and also to further release our right of repayment. See, when we're forgiving someone, we're not saying that what someone did to us is okay. What we're saying is, is that what someone did to us, I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it in the hands of God. And I'm not the judge and I'm not the jury. And I'm just going to do what God has called me to do and to forgive this person, release them, but also, see, sometimes we forgive someone, but we keep score and put it in our pocket. And then the next time something happens, we take that scorecard out and we look at it. 
oh, you always do this. You never say you love me, huh? And when we use these absolute words because we're keeping this record, we're keeping this record and we're truly not releasing that to the Lord. Forgiveness is denial of self. Forgiveness is not insisting on our way and our justice. Because when something happens to us, we want to rectify it right there and then. We want to react on it rather than respond to what God has to say. And sometimes we're not quick to forgive because pride kicks in. Pride kicks in and it doesn't allow us to be in that state of humility. And we become, again, we become the judge and the jury. And we decide in our minds when someone is guilty and we decide what the penalty should be and what the sentence should be. And again, that's why pride is a condition that must be remedied by embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we get to that place that we embrace the cross, that we hear what Jesus Christ did for us, that we were all sinners heading to hell. But God said, I am not satisfied with the condition of my people. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to send my only son to come and to intervene. As much as it's going to pain me, I'm going to allow all the past sins, the present sins, and the future sins, all the mistakes, all the heartaches. I'm going to give them my son. And I'm going to give them all. And he's going to go and he's going to die a death that he didn't deserve. He's going to pay a price all the hard things and ugly things and all the nasty things that people will ever say and do that he never did. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can become the righteousness in him. But we lose that. And that's why Jesus said, and he even wrestled in that garden, Father, if there's any way, if there's any other way for this to happen, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I care about them so much. They are so valuable to me that I'm going to go ahead and pay a price that they deserve because I know what's on the other side of the cross. So Jesus went ahead and he took those nails in his hands and those nails in his feet, that crown on his head. Why? Because he had you in mind. He had you in mind. And when we embrace that doctrine, when we embrace that truth, when we accept that to be true, that's when we are reminded that we've been forgiven, that we've been set free from the things that we've done wrong, that we've been redeemed, that we've been reconciled. Huh? Forgive those just as you have been forgiven. That is why we are called to forgive. And that is why the cross of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can remedy the condition of pride in our life. Can we just praise God for the cross today? Can we just thank him for the cross today? He is so good to us. 
He paid a price that we can never pay for. So it's time for us to release those that have hurt us. This next point, I want you to poke yourself. Don't poke the person next to you. Humble people are quick to seek forgiveness. Humble people are quick to seek forgiveness. Humble people, what do they do? They take ownership and they take responsibility for when they have caused hurt or pain to someone else. And they choose to respond rather than react. They choose to respond to addressing the hurt rather than addressing why they didn't mean to hurt the other person. This is not an apology. If we hurt someone and someone says, you hurt me, well, I didn't mean to hurt you. Well, what you did hurt me. Well, then I'm sorry if you're hurt. Will you forgive me? That is not an apology. I'm sorry if. That is not an apology. We'll leave it right there. What is an apology is you take ownership of the wrong that you've caused, the wrong that you've done, and you say, I was wrong. You don't start off with you. You don't say, well, I did this because you made me. Huh? I reacted this way because of what you did. I yelled at you because you don't listen to me. No, 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 that's not it. You start off with I. Everybody say I. That was real easy. All right? I was wrong. I see that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I hurt you. At that point, you're not even addressing what happened or what took place. You're addressing the heart. And God is all about the heart. I was wrong. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Can you please forgive me for for hurting you and give me another chance to make it right? Humble people take ownership of their actions and they seek forgiveness. This comes, trust me, I stand here today not mastering this. This comes from just getting a lot of practice of seeking forgiveness. Amen? Humble people speak well of others. Humble people speak well of others. Saying negative things about others, all that does, it puts them down and it puts us up. That's all that does. Speaking well of others, it edifies them and it builds them up. But we have to make sure when we speak well of others, we're not just flattering them and just saying it because it sounds nice. We've got to say it because we mean it. It's rather to say nothing at all than saying something that just sounds nice. All the men in here, are you thankful for your nothing box? You know what a nothing box is? Just a real quick thing. I guess I'll just talk two seconds about it. Um, women, their thoughts and their minds are kind of like spaghetti where everything just mixes together. Huh? You can't separate the pasta from the sauce and the meatballs and the sausage. Like everything is just mixed all together. And, uh, and they can literally, they have this supernatural gift to literally feel emotions today for something that happened a few years ago, something that might happen tomorrow, and something that's going to potentially happen next week. And then we're just there like a deer in headlights. (laughs) 
I'm sorry that I hurt you. I was wrong. Please give me another chance to make it right. Men have a nothing box. We're so compartmentalized. Like, wives, if you ask your husband, what are you thinking about? And if we say nothing, we are literally thinking about nothing. Literally. What do you mean nothing? The TV's on. I know, but I'm not thinking about it. We, we have work in a box here. We have kids in a box here. We have church in a box here. And God has gifted us with a nothing box. Why was I saying all this? Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> that was more than two seconds. You're right. But the truth is, Oh yeah, don't say nothing instead of something you don't mean, right? But it takes a person who depends on God to keep himself or herself from putting others down and stands on a foundation of being secure in God. The last foundation we're going to look at, and I'm going to have Pastor Mark come up. Humble people recognize their dependency on God. They understand that Dependency isn't that they can't use their brains or they can't use their intellect or they can't use their mind. They're choosing to do what it says in Proverbs 3. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And what do they do? They acknowledge God's direction and God's role in their life. Humble people routinely confess their sin to God. Weekly, even daily, they review their heart and their behaviors and they combine it with their confession to God. And this is a necessary practice of humility. Because the truth is, every single person under the sound of my voice all fall short to the glory of God. Every single last one of us. The problem, though, the problem is that too few of us have a routine of practicing honest self-examination. So I want to ask you this question today. And the question is this. Actually, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you a Pharisee? Or are you a tax collector? When it comes to having foundations of humility in your life. Again, Jesus said this. Luke 18, 14. I tell you that the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, the tax collector went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those that humble themselves will be exalted. Would you bow your heads this morning?